Going to school in Soweto Township meant that you had a lot of challenges. Perhaps no challenge, however, was greater than the day your math teacher stopped showing up, and the students decided one by one that they no longer needed to be in class. So what did you do? You, as a student, decided to become the teacher. You are listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. In South Africa, you know, they were deprived from getting an education. And here you are coming in and, you know, the only thing that you have is an education. And education is, is the platform where equality can really take place between the poor and the rich. That's the only time where you can really start competing with the rich. And that's one of the things that I learned from both my parents. This week, join us on a journey from Soweto Township to the United States and teaching math to change lives. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. My name is Lebang Nong. I'm from Soweto in South Africa. I started a program called GoMats in 2004. And um, I was able to go to the U.S. in April 2015 for the IVLP program. I think as much as I was, like, very poor, I don't think my mom would want us to say we were very poor because she was very proud uh, to say that, look, this is a current situation, but this is not eternal. This is just temporary. So as much as I knew that I was in this position and my mother used to tell me that, you know, as much as I'm a tea lady at work, I don't want you to be a tea boy. Uh, Lebanon look around and I would look around and I would see all the trophies that I've collected from the township schools. Because throughout my life, I've been in a township school. So I think that's what gave me the confidence, the push that... Um, my mom would say, don't don't end up here because you've got potential. And so, as other learners that we have taught over the years, that potential is, is important. So, in 2004, uh, we did not have a maths teacher in a township school in Soweto. Uh, for three months. Now, in, in a township school, you would not even also have a substitute teacher. So for three months, we went on without a teacher. And then one day, the learners in my classroom started to say, you know what, let's leave mathematics. And that's when I stood up and then I started to teach them mathematics. And also, I started to teach myself mathematics as well. Remember that apartheid, what it did since um, the Bantu Education Act in terms of stripping away the resources that were there to ensure that schools in township and rural areas, they actually do not benefit in any way. And by doing that, in terms of lack of resources, uh, the teachers that were there at the time, they were not even qualified to teach. And those are the teachers that we had at the time. 
and I did not want to fall under that trap because, you know, I knew that there was a lot of things that we could achieve if only we were to put ourselves um, into the new pedestal of, you know, working hard beyond uh, the status quo. Then I started to teach myself mathematics, and then from that I was able to teach other schools. And um, 15 years later, uh, impact of 31,000 plus learners that we have taught and impacted in the rural and township school, um, giving them the opportunity to dream and to achieve whatever that they could, they can, and they should. It's very important to believe in your children. My courage also comes from when I was in fourth grade. So my teacher this time was not involved in a car accident, um, but it's a township school as well. Um, so she was held up in a meeting, in a staff meeting, and we didn't have a teacher. I then started to, to, to set a test in grade four. I set a test. I went to the photocopying room quickly. I ran there. Then I photocopied. Then I came back. Then I told all the other class reps in grade four to say, this is the test. Let them all write. And all the learners in grade four wrote the test. And then about 90 minutes later, when the teacher came back, Mem Tsuinja, um, she's like, what is happening? I'm like, no, ma'am, I just decided to make all the learners write a test. Now I was looking at it at the time, so I wait, I'm older now. I'm in, I'm in grade 11. I'm 17 years old. I did that when I was 10. So it should be easy to translate it into success. And the, the, the funny thing is that when I started teaching, people started looking. Because I mean, you, you would anticipate that people would start making noise like, no, you're not the new teacher who gave you the promotion. But they were like, okay, he's teaching. And everything just became automated during school hours and also after school hours. So after school hours, I would open it up for other schools. Because in Soweto, you know, the schools are very clustered, very close to each other. Then you'd find kids from like Rashoma, Titelo, coming to the school just to attend my lesson. And the principal at the time, Mr. Malif, would trust me so much with, with the keys. He would leave the keys for me to lock the gates of the school. You know, one of the things that I can never take away as much as most of the teachers at my school were not qualified, but they had passion. And, you know, at the time you didn't care about, do you have a degree? Do you have a college? Uh, it was a matter of, do you have passion? Do you respect what we are doing? You'd get teachers like Mkwanyan at the time, who was very passionate about teaching us English. And only years later, she was like, you know, Lebang, I was not qualified at the time. I only qualified... 2012 i was like seriously she's like yeah i was like, I, I couldn't even tell because she was so passionate about education and i was only 17 years at the time and you know i i, I looked at it and i was like should we continue with without a teacher and should we fall into the trap of having more of learners in the township school not doing mathematics and science and uh, the danger of that in terms of the economy of south africa and the danger of that in terms of, you know, aborting many dreams that many people had, that's when I started the program. There was a teacher's strike. I think 
that's where I look at it and be like, okay, maybe I should do this. Because 2006, we produced the best. My school went from like 40s to about 70s. I know it improved very well. I was like, this is very good. And then we, we even have a learner from that time. I think it's Lebo Khang. He's now an actual scientist. I was like, this is good. Let me continue doing this. But that year defined my leadership because now it was it was not allowed for you to teach in the schools. If the union would find you teaching in the schools, they would make sure they hit you. They would, you know, it was in stories. They would hit you with bricks and all of that stuff. That year, that's when we had the winter school with the kids around the neighboring uh, areas. And I remember very well, you know, that day I was like, wait, I'm coming. I'm going to come a bit later. I just have to fix things at home. One of the, 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 the tutors at the time was like, Lebang, you need to come. And then I went to the school. When I went to the school, I'm like, what's happening? They're like, no, 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 they're going to come again. I'm like, who's going to come again? They're like, no, the union is going to come again. And they came. So likely then, I looked very younger than now. And I was like, no, sorry, I'm in grade 12 as well. Because like, they wanted to know who's responsible for all of this. Because you said no one should be in schools teaching. And I was like, no, I'm responsible, but I'm in grade 12. And they said, look, you, because they, they held me with my, with, my, with, my, with my shirt. Like, if you do this, something's going to happen to you. So just close up and go. And I looked at it. And then, you know, we, we, we went to, to my friend's place with, with the tutors at the time. And we were like, every tutor's afraid. We're like, you know, you're threatened. You've seen this on TV. Say, if you teach, this will happen. There are repercussions to it. I remember the conversation vividly even now and they were like, no, let's just leave it. Let's do it again next year. And I remember saying, but what about those kids? Because the way that those kids looked at us that day, they're like, you are only hope. Because at school we left earlier. We didn't continue or complete the curriculum. So now you want us to end, you know, what's going to happen with us? And then we decided then to go to a church, neighboring church, uh, to to hold the classes there in the blistered cold in winter. And also there's a community hall in Shawela that we actually held the classes in the netball court. Uh, that's where we were teaching kids. It was cold, but the kids wanted to be taught. And from that cohort, you have kids that are electrical engineers because Nadma Dushelo is now a doctor, PhD in uh, civil engineering is a lecture now at one of the top 10 universities in South Africa. Uh, we're able to help a school that side to to achieve 99% pass rate. So that for me uh, was able to tell me that, you know what, this is impact. This is what the community needs and make sure that you're able to reload airtime for them so that they can answer the call or make a call to success. <laughs> Following after that 2007 story, there's a lot of stories. Helping schools in Soweto with 98% pass rate, 99% pass rate. Helping kids who move from 20% to 80% to 65% in mathematics, science, accounting and English. Uh, helping schools in the rural areas like Khanyesa. So there's a lot of work that we've been doing after 2007, producing the top learner of Soweto. These are the learners that came with low marks and we were able to transform these kids. And with all the work that we've been doing, you know, people started to know a lot, uh, a lot of media coverage with all the awards that we got at the time. When I was younger, I would say those awards were everything. They're like the best thing. Like, yeah, yeah, you've been mentioned as top 100. That's great. 
But I think for me, as, as I get to be at this stage, the awards are more on the impact that we've been doing as GoMats. So from that, uh, the consulate were able to, to identify me. I think I was on a TV show talking about the importance of education. The U.S. consulate in Johannesburg was able to identify and say, Labang, we think you're a candidate. And, you know, when they called me, I was very humbled. I was like, sorry. Like, no, we just saw you on TV. Like, yeah, yeah. And the consulate then was like, okay, look, there's a program. We want you to go to, to the U.S. I was like, okay, this is incredible. In South Africa, growing up with those black and white TV screens, um, we, we watched a lot of movies from from America. We grew up to that, you know, like at different channels. You, you'd watch your Police Academy, you know. You, you'd watch all these shows from America and South Africa. And I think for me, it, it, it what I imagined was the same as what I saw because I watched a lot, listened to a lot of music. Also history, reading more on, on Martin Luther King, uh, my brother used to make me watch most of the shows growing up. And I was like, oh. So when I got here, um, the group at the time was very shocked to say, Lebang, how much, how, how, how come you know so much about America? I was like, from, from the things that I was exposed to. A, a lot of people, I think in America, were very shocked to say we know so much. But I was also impressed in Kentucky, um, DuPont, to be specific, about a ninth grade group of learners who knew so much about South Africa. And that was a very powerful exchange program because both of us were talking about each other's countries and making sure that we correct in the narrative if it's incorrect and ensuring that we're on the same line. So that, that was incredible. As much as there's technology here, but the teacher remains a central piece. And that's something that I took back. So yeah, we're going to have all this amazing technology in the future, but we should never forget the value of a teacher. You can never do education without a teacher. Maybe that will change in the future. I don't know. But as long as I'm here and I'm seeing going to all the different countries with developed education, you get to see that the teacher plays an important role to ensuring that the kid can achieve a dream. Yes, with the emphasis of technology, blended learning is good, but the teacher is central. And that's something that I saw at Two Point Manual. I remember the, the learners were so glued to the teacher more than the computer. And I was like, this is interesting. And the teacher's like, no, I've got my dragon there. You know, the learners use their computer, they use their things. I give them the opportunity because you can never refuse the learners of today. The technology, they need the technology, but they also need teachers. I think in my life, I've never really felt like a foreigner. The only time I felt like a foreigner was when that opportunity of not having a maths teacher was taking place. Because then I felt robbed, I felt... Uh, like, I felt like, what can I do? You know, because I was lost. Because there was no GPRS to navigate me to where I should go. And then only I could say I felt like a foreigner. Because that concept is very subjective. Because what is a foreigner?
So the IVLP program, I remember saying that these are Avengers at the time uh, or the Justice League because there's a group of young people who are doing great work in, in their countries, Rwanda, Morocco, Singapore, Malaysia, South Africa. You get all these people doing great work and they're put in one room to share ideas with the American people about how we can both exchange um, whatever that we use in South Africa, learn in America and increase it. And I think that's why even after the program, my thinking shifted, that there was a paradigm shift. It's more like a straight line graph. Gomez was already having a positive shape, outlook in terms of impact. But then after the program, you could see that we're able to become exponential. Everything was more faster, scaling up impact. So that's what I think the IVLP did to not me only, but I think also the cohort that we had to speed up. It's very important to have a catalyst, like a platinum catalyst and a chemical reaction. For scientists, you would know what I'm talking about. A platinum catalyst is very important, faster. But the reaction was going to take, the reaction was still going to take place, but we just needed a catalyst just to make it go faster and expose them to America in different ways, in different angles. And that's incredible. When, 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 when I left the IVLP now, reminding me now, um, IVLP is very good. I like the fact that it spoke more about collaboration. Collaboration is a very important tool in terms of ensuring that success takes place. One of the things that I learned from that is to say, use means of technology. How do I multiply Lebang into 100? How do I multiply myself into 200? And that's when, after the IVLP, I started doing the teacher development programs where I go around different regions teaching teachers like how to teach mathematics, but not only just telling them how to teach, both of us having a conversation, sort of having an output of a collaborative pedagogy so that you don't get there like, look, I know mathematics, you're going to listen, I'm going to teach you. But it's an issue of, okay, this is how we should work and, and what's your view? Okay, do it this way, and then it works. And you, you see schools that used to have 23%, and then now they've got 78% in mathematics because it's very important to have that engagement. Go Mats, as much as we, we've been doing the, under, you know, the underground work in the township and rural schools, we're able to be noted by the U.S. Council. First, that was a proud moment. And I think that one of the second proud moments was coming this side, especially in Kentucky, because then we were in a smaller groups compared to being in a big group. That's when uh, my fellow um, colleagues of the IVLP, at the time alumni as well now, were able to say, Lebang, please represent us. Please be the person who's able to talk at the World Affairs Council. Present us, because they were able to see, you know, the, the skills that we have learned, that I've learned over the years in terms of presenting information. Because... You cannot just be a great teacher if you don't know how to present your information. There was a school in uh, Limpopo. I was in a newspaper article. The learner came, the teacher asked them to come with unprepared speech or prepared speech. Go get an article from a newspaper, any newspaper or magazine and bring it to school. And this boy was able to present and it's like, I got an article from an X magazine, newspaper, sorry. Uh, this guy, his name is Labang Nong. He's been teaching, producing the best learners. I would like for this person to come to our school. 
Then I got a call. They're like, hey, how are you? Like, I'm good. You're speaking to the principal of the school. I'm like, principal of which school? Like, no, it's in Banyele High School. I'm like, oh, okay. So good thing I went to a Tsonga High School, so I know Tsonga. So we went to the school, and when we got there, shock of our lives. You know, it's a very rural school. We've been to different rural schools, but it's tricky this one, because the kids don't even have school shoes. They walk to school like five kilometers. That's a long distance. Uh, walking to school without shoes. But these kids are eager to learn. So what do we do as a nation? Um, because, I mean, we cannot rob these kids from this opportunity because education can be an enabler for them to to live whatever life that they want. You know, education can do a lot of incredible things uh, only if you give a proper and fair opportunity to those who want it. And, you know, when we started teaching there, then we're like, okay, this is good. The teaching is good. The pedagogy is good. But these kids lack a lot of things. And that's when we're able to knock on every door. Like, hey, we want school shoes. We want school shoes. We don't want anything. We don't want food, we want tin, whatever. We just want school shoes. And luckily enough, we're able to get 150 school shoes for kids to have. And then we're able to take them back to that school and provide them also with application forms for them to apply for university. And some of them, they're doing third year now, I think third year. There's a lot of opportunities only if we can bring them to them. And that's why we now we currently work on an app to ensure that we can reach them. It's not just only one region, but we can reach as much as we can. Gomez textbooks are coming out next year. Grade uh, 2 to 4. And then grade 10 to 12 might come out next in November. And now with the technology means and the things that we bring into South Africa, and of course not only South Africa because calculators not only just South African thing. We can move it to Uganda, we can move it to Malawi, we can move it to Lesotho, we can move it to any neighboring countries in Africa, so that they can also have, um, the, uh, you know, an advanced tool of writing mathematics, and also using the portal GoMats, the online GoMats that we're going to be launching to ensure that all learners across Africa can actually start accessing us, not only just the region of Soweto. Remember the, the, the exponential graph I told you about? So we're now leaving as a goal status. Now we're going beyond exponential now, which I don't know which graph is that, but we're going beyond that graph because we need to expand it across Africa. Africa learning, it's very important. Growing up, I was always like an introvert, you know. Um, but an introvert that likes to think. But one of the things that my mother used to say to me is to say, look, you, you can be shy as a child, I understand, you know. But when it comes to success and opportunity, you, you have to be an eagle. Nong is an eagle, by the way. So you need to make sure that you take the opportunity right there and there. So that's what that's the that's the spirit that i encourage most of my learners to say being shy outside here it's the best thing you can be you can be an introvert but when it gets to mathematics class whatever that you're doing that you like trust me just come out show learners your ability because we want to see that superpower because everyone wants to see a flash
there's even a picture where I'm sitting where, where I used to sit. Because I used to sit like from the back, just the row ahead. And I'll just sit there in my corner and just, you know, study mathematics and just write. And I was like, okay, good. I'm going to teach you functions. I'm going to teach you graphs. Today, this is the topic. Mr. Mavunja is not here. And good thing this year, I actually reunited with the guy. The teacher that left us for three months. I reunited with him. And I was like, you have no idea how you, how you've actually changed, you know, my life. Because if I didn't, if he was not in a car accident and he was not there for three months, you know, I always think about it. Uh, where would I have ended? As, as Lebang no, would I have been that passionate? Would I have been a teacher? But I guess they always say that being a teacher is a calling and you need to make sure that you've got uh, the right time to answer the call. Don't miss that call. Just answer it at that time when it calls. Twenty two thirty three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty two thirty three is named for Title Twenty Two, Chapter Thirty Three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, LeBang Nong talked about his journey, which led to participation in the International Visitors Leadership Program, or IVLP, and the creation of his education program, Go Maths. For more about IVLP and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We also encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts, and we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov backslash 2233. And you can now find us and follow us on Instagram at 22.33 underscore stories. Special thanks to LeBang for his stories and his dedication to the children in South Africa. I did the interview along with Kate Furby and edited this episode. Featured music included four songs by Blue Dot Sessions, Nightlight, Night Watch, No Smoking, and Cast in Wicker, and You Um Al Ah by Dr. Turtle. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>